Hello, welcome to Life's Difficult, a podcast where we discuss the many challenging aspects of modern life and how we attempt to navigate them. I'm Mikhail, and as always, I'm joined by my conversation partner, Milos. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm excited for this topic. This is going to be a, uh, a fun one. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I think so too. It's, I think uh, lately we've been doing a bunch of big boy podcasts. And mm. not that this isn't, but this is a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more, um, you know, we're going to give advice, but we're not necessarily dealing with uh, the nature of, of, of what a good life is and happiness and all these like very, very Bro, what are you talking about? This is, this is like the keto good life, man. This is like the most important thing. I don't, know, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> I, I, I should say this 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 uh, podcast is on fitness and the difficulty surrounding uh, fitness, whether it's getting in shape or expectations societally or whatever else. And um, I, I I think um, people young young men and women when they see the fitness space now, they're not really sure where to get started right like let, let's say you're of average enough build or you're a little bit overweight or you're a little bit underweight whatever it might be and you have certain goals and you're trying to navigate the fitness space it's actually very very daunting now one i think just because you see a bunch of people that seem so far out of reach in terms of what they look like and then you think god like i'm never gonna get there and it's and you know you you think that's a normal standard when it's not and stuff like that but it's it's also in terms of getting quality information, how saturated it, it you know it, uh, the kind of fitness let's say YouTube industry is. It's become a huge marketplace, so everyone and their mom is trying to sell you their version of something, and I think because of that, there's a lot of I hate using the term misinformation, but there's a lot of um, just crappy information out there because you know there's only so many ways that you can do a squat or a bench press or a deadlift or yeah. any there's only so many ways you can mix that stuff up but you know if you want to be the hot shot new guy on the market who's going to make a ton of money well you need to find a way to repackage the exact same stuff and sell it to people for brand new and new ways and so you, i feel like you get a lot of uh a lot of crazy ideas from people that are just trying to like reinvent the wheel so that they can market it okay so i think let's let's actually then start there rather than we will maybe have the back half of this podcast be about uh personal fitness and how to navigate that and let's mm-hmm. go wider in terms of the greater like western fitness culture right now um in terms of what's presented in social media particularly youtube but also you know certainly instagram just the industry in general what it looks like and and why it might be a problem i i think uh just as a starting point i want to say the vast majority of people you're seeing are not natural and i actually <laughs> i don't have a problem with that like i just would like them to be honest about it so it's funny that you say that i actually i follow this one guy i think his i think his instagram handle is joey aesthetics okay he's this german dude he's living in thailand he's been through some places that i used to go through so i love watching his stories mm-hmm. And he recently fully admitted in one of his stories, he's like, you know, like, uh, he's massive, dude's massive, like, cut, mm-hmm. built like crazy. And in one of his stories, he recently said, you know, um, you know, he's like, te- so he's like speaking to the camera, and he's like, you know, sometimes I wake up and, and I feel that, that urge to do just one more cycle of roids, and I know I could get so much bigger, but I'm trying to, like, 
breach that with like more hard work instead. And I loved it. And I don't know about you, but I'm noticing a lot more people, especially on IG, just admitting that they are on steroids or whatever, or or on train, or I I don't know what the actual terms are of all that stuff. You know a lot more about this than I do. But um, as much as, like, I don't know, I, again, I feel like there's definitely, there's, there's an, there's a, there's a, a case to be made for like, don't use uh, performance enhancing drugs if you're in sports or competitive. But then there's also the thing of like, yo, if you just want to do it for yourself, I mean, the health issues are the biggest issue, right? Yeah. And, and there are ways to do it more responsibly and less responsibly. And again, like I said, I, this, it's no moral judgment if that's something you want to do for yourself. Yeah. The moral judgment comes in when you're talking to a bunch of young men and women and trying to present your physique as a natural physique when it's not. Yeah, when you try and sell your physique as like, oh, I got this big by doing X, Y, and Z, and you withhold the fact that you're also on a whole bunch of uh, probably not super legal drugs. <laughs> yeah, so th- th- that's incredibly unhealthy in terms of expectations for, for young people. The other one is even the people who are unnatural, um, they're still probably in the top fraction of a percent in terms of their genetics, right? It's it's both those things paired together. Gets, yeah, usually, uh, yeah. And so even even without any, you know, help with via testosterone or whatever else they decide to take, um, they would still have physiques that are probably difficult for the average person to attain so i think both components are worth keeping keeping in mind because uh the fact that a lot of these people go into fitness is a reason it's because they once they started training this they blew up in a way that the average person doesn't in terms of their size and muscle quality and generally like the aesthetics of of their muscles um was so much so that they thought that okay i can make a living doing this right the average person in the gym you know is not thinking like oh wow like i could make it like i i I, you know i could make a career out of this so there's there's a reason they they went there these people don't start on on steroids they get big and then they want to get even bigger yeah but they get big in the first place because they have great genetics so yeah just I, i think that's really really important for people to understand and it's it, it it is it's it's I think it's that that that's just not going anywhere. That's a problem, and so people, the best thing you can do because it's not changing. The best thing to do is just equip yourself with what's realistic and understand yeah. that the the. I know that, that's that's specifically for dudes, right? For like, if you're a guy and you're looking at some of these guys with like you know these massive arms, just be aware that some of that is uh, potentially you know. For, for for a woman too, but just in a different way, right? With with men, it's the the obvious sign of something that somebody is not natural is when they keep getting bigger in terms of, like, let's say their arms, for example, like you just said, but their abs remain very, very tight and defined. If you're bulking that way, you're not going to stay lean. The average person, if they bulk, they're, they, have, they understand that they're giving something up. Mm-hmm. They're going to get softer around the midsection, but then they're going to put on some size. And then when they cut... They will lose some size, but they will then look aesthetically more pleasing. When when you retain both, and and you're somehow like looking leaner than ever and bigger than ever, it's a generally a telltale sign that they're not natural. But anyway, for the women, I would say it's it's this it's a this new thing of of looking thick but still incredibly like in good shape, right? It's like 
the the big ass massive thighs and every skinny upper body but some but somehow still like a defined midsection and like a fairly skinny upper body like that's that's typically done through surgery it's not most people are not like really that. i'm not i'm not gonna it's harder for See, me i to don't t- know i'm just asking because i don't i don't pay attention to <laughs> ever since i started working out i only pay attention to dudes I so, check out dudes all the time. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, look at that guy's triceps. I, I can speak more <laughs> confidently about, like, signs that somebody's unnatural in men. Mm-hmm. In women, it's harder for me to say exactly um, what got them there. But I, a lot of them also take steroids. Really? It, yeah, a lot of these women who have, like, these really, like, firm physiques, um, they, they, again, this is, this is, this is putting the big butt even to the side but a lot of women um definitely take stuff to have like, like really firm like uh, that's interesting and I... like and especially like in terms of like little like mu- muscle maturity things where like you know rounding of muscles and stuff mm-hmm. i think a lot of that can can really be helped by um but again by various compounds right it's not mm-hmm. just uh not just uh testosterone for example like you can take very like things that are very geared to whatever you want um whether it's like you know uh with with men for example it's um everybody knows about like the hgh gut in the fitness community right when you have that like blowout stomach Mm -hmm. where it's like their stomach is coming way out there but there's still abs on it and yeah that's that's you know i think people typically call that hgh God. Now that's like the turtle shell. Yeah, turtle shell stomach, and yeah, and and uh, again, like that's that's not actually a look that anybody wants. It's just a byproduct of taking HGH. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not actually the best example. It's just what came to mind. But anyway, point being is, women take it way more than people think. Interesting. Way way more in the fitness industry, but yeah, specifically like that blowout butt plus otherwise muscular and lean and all this stuff. Uh, some small fraction of women can get there. Everybody else is either, you know, mixture of like the right pants that hold up the butt plus the lighting plus mm-hmm. the maybe Photoshop. Yeah, I think definitely in, in, in certain pictures. In but, pictures you see Photoshop like crazy for but, women. But the Brazilian butt lifter, I think that's what it's called, is a very, very popular surgery. More than ever before. Really? Um, and it's the most dangerous too. Right, at least to yeah. it can be disastrous, especially when people want to get them for cheap and stuff like that. Man, it, that, that one's gotta feel weird because I feel like ugh, there's something about it that's kind of like, like I, I, this is a total off shot, but like sexually, if you have that, does it get in the way of sex? Does it like, like, because it seems like such a weird thing? It's like you're more sexually appealing now, but I feel like doesn't that make sex harder to do if like you have silicone implants in your butt? I don't know. It's just it's just something I think about. It's like it's almost it almost like defeats the purpose. It's like you you have this butt that's gonna attract more men to you, but then when you guys actually get in the bedroom, like does that inhibit? St- I don't know. I have no clue. I've never I've never interacted with a Brazilian butt lift in my life yet. Or um, if I ever you do, you just didn't realize that you did. But uh, I doubt it. If I did, I mean, <laughs> I I just have serious doubts that I ever did. But maybe it's possible. You anyhow, never know. The, the, um, <laughs> actually uh, a study was done recently on like the 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 female body type that 
makes women most, uh, I think, insecure, I think is the way it was put, something like that. And, you know, you've got the traditional kind of hanger look, right, when they're very, very skinny, so you just want, like, the kind of clothes to just drape a very skinny frame. Mm. Um, I think there was one that was maybe athletic, and then there was, like, this thick look, right, of, like, very, very like, thick around the hips and stuff, but otherwise. Yeah. And that was actually the look that made women feel worst. Of all like if they, they had that. that look or no no when see see like seeing it and and think and and like how insecure it made them feel to oh, see man. it and it makes sense because it's some you can starve yourself and like again i don't recommend it but you can starve yourself and get that like skinny modelish look mm-hmm. you you can't get like you can't match most 99 percent of women can't naturally get like this thick but fit look it's just it's it's a fiction so yeah you know that so uh, again we've maybe gone on this gone, gone on about this long enough but just there are some very very unrealistic standards and you need to be cognizant of that it's as yeah. a guy it's going to be okay to be puffier and softer on the midsection when you're trying to put on size and it's okay for a woman like if again if you want to like really dedicate time to hip thrusts and squats and all that to to, to really round out your your butt great but you know, you can, it can only that can only take you so far, and then again, you might also have to eat to excess while you're doing that, and then cut back down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole process of this stuff. You can't just get there. There's no uh, direct path to many of these physiques without assistance. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, that that that's in terms of the general industry, and then I would say also part of that is. Um, the advice you then get from these sort of fitness influencers or whatever. Um, now, I, I do think now more than ever, we also have quality information, right? Like, um, I don't want to extensively go into recommendations, but somebody like a Jeff Nippert, for example, on YouTube is a really, really thorough person who always backs up whatever he says with scientific studies and is always very reasonable, is never too dogmatic in the information he's giving and stuff. However, there's the flip side, and I think it may be a bit more traditional in, in, in kind of YouTube and Instagram and stuff of just ridiculous exercises, you know, squat on a busu ball while balancing an elephant on your nose kind of nonsense. And uh, also just, you know, do my program and you're going to look like this or whatever. Yeah. And just, you know, so often these people are just so gifted genetically and or... or have so much assistance that they they don't even get the basics right like they never actually squat with like good form and mm-hmm. so they'll give you advice based on just whatever they did in the gym without actually having any qualifications for it yeah so there's a lot to be wary of there's a lot of snake oil salesmen and they're just a lot of people who are not even bad people they're just incompetent they're just were genetically gifted got in shape and they think they're that that gives them a good, uh, good footing to make some money yeah 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 so uh, that, separating the marketing from the the information is big. It's a big part of it. Yeah. So, um, do you have anything more to say in terms of the general industry, or should we start moving towards like? Mm. No, I I, 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 no, not really. Okay. Yeah. Let's 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 move on from that. I think we I think we've made our point. Just be very very cautious. Don't don't look for heroes in this space. I'll say. Right, like that's that's yeah. really dangerous. Like, don't don't think of like, oh, look, my my fitness hero, and I'm just gonna like. Well, actually, okay, so I will say one thing. 
Um, don't look for fitness heroes, but I, I do think there is... There's you can look for motivation for sure. Yeah, not yeah. even the motivation thing, but I think there's it, it's a little bit different if you're looking at aesthetics versus if you're looking at people who can do stuff. Even then, when you're looking at people who can do stuff, you might be looking at genetic freaks. Mm-hmm. But just be aware that, like, you know... Because uh, I think for me, too, one of the things that I love to look at is, like, dudes who can do, like levers and, and mm, muscle ups mm. and stuff like that yeah, and i yeah, think yeah. i think for that stuff because they have to go through the motion it's a little bit more realistic but also be aware that like man some people are putting up fake bench presses and like they're using fake weights fake to plates, bench yeah. press more it's just i don't understand it but i guess like some people are and and yeah so just be aware that yeah even i feel like it, at least with the levers and stuff it's like it's the hardest to spoof because like are you really going to use a green screen and make it look like you can do a front lever mm, probably mm. not but yeah there, so there are some real there are some real deals um but be a, be very wary with the people who are going to try and get you to look as bet as best as you can because that's usually a, a a marketing pitch yeah I, I think i think just generally be aware of people who are trying to sell you um miracle yeah, uh, not. I was thinking of saying miracle cures, but we're not talking about medicine. But you know, you know exactly well, what still, I mean in terms yeah, of a, like yeah. the miracle result of like, if only I'd known that I had to, you know, uh, uh, take you know BCAAs post workout, then I would have got double the bicep bump or yeah. you know whatever nonsense. Yeah. It's like no, just just. The, the basics don't really change and you want to stick to like certain fundamentals but and, and yeah I do think that yeah so that does take us to uh, personal fitness journeys in terms of uh, the difficulty there and I don't want to get necessarily too deep into the weeds and that like talking about like how many sets and reps and and you should be doing and what exercises and so, like I feel like there are many my, uh, people who are far more qualified there that you can go to like a Jeff Nippard mm-hmm. but um, my general kind of over overarching advice there would just be like stick to things that are, are, are you know well well researched very like kind of foundational right like you can go wrong for example having your basic exercise program if you're talking about like lifting weights and when you're talking about fitness is, is you know, based around, like, the big compound movements, you know, your bench, your squat, your deadlift, your pull-ups, your, your, uh, uh, um, bent over rows, right? Like, if you just do these big compound movements with maybe a few smaller, uh, accessory movements, try to, like, get yourself close to failure without, like, burning yourself out, take rest, get enough, you know, uh, of the right nutrition around it, just, like, I think it's also fair to say the three, three, what is it three sets of eight to 12 reps is like that's universal almost like for for size not i don't think anyone's really going to fight you there if as, you a, starting point, yeah, yes. as a starting point and, yeah and then you, you you go from there so yeah it's just generally like having these these sort of like baseline things things uh to follow like yeah and then a big part of anybody's fitness uh journey is going to be experimentation because we're all built differently and we need to figure out what works for us some people can handle much more volume and some people don't need that much and they blow up uh some people uh uh feel best when they're like getting a real great mind muscle connection and if outside of that they just feel like they haven't even got a good workout in and other people just do the movements until that develops slowly and then mind muscle connection is generally i think a useful is useful for everybody but like people get there in different ways some people say 
I can never feel a bump in my bicep, but I, you know, I get such a bump in my back and other people. So, right, so you, you want to go through all that stuff. Certain movements will like hurt your shoulders. So you have to work around that. You might realize that like you have certain foundational weak weaknesses that you never knew about. It's all these things that you have to slowly figure out. And uh, I, I, I think uh, going into it, you also have to kind of figure out like, what your expectations are like uh, one of my points here are like fitness expectations um and this is maybe a bit of a side point but it's actually i think work worth just touching on because it's, it's neither quite like personal fitness or proper like societal or cultural fitness it's it's more of an in-between zone of what people want in terms of their fitness vis-a-vis their own sex or the opposite sex. And I think this is huge because a lot You're of guys... are about to start a battle in here. We're going to lose the... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's, <laughs> what, what's funny is... Guys want to get as big and like ripped and all this stuff as possible. Mm-hmm. And they realize <laughs> the only compliments they get are from other guys. Oh, yeah. Because oh, nobody yeah. else gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Whereas... I, I'm pretty sure, on average, women are pretty happy with just, like, athletic. No, it doesn't have to be too big. Just athletic look. You know, like, your kind of beach body kind think, of good look. And then there are exceptions. Some women are going to, again, like, you, no harm done if you have a bit of muscle. But what mm-hmm. I mean to say is, like, when you get, like, that extra inch on your arm past a certain point, like, mm-hmm. um, your 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 bros are gonna be like, oh man, if you got you're like notice it more than, than the girls. Yeah, for for the girls, once you hit like baseline, healthy, fit, got a bit of muscle, looks decent enough with a shirt off, you're good. As a man, yeah. As a man, and and I, same thing I think happens with women, where women have different expectations for 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 each other versus what men think of them. Men, I think. Again, this is broadly speaking, but like, um, I, I, I don't think the average guy's going to be like, oh no, you don't have a, you know, Brazilian butt, but, uh, but also like fit in the abs and also like all this kind of stuff is like Instagram things that they think is, is important and they're seeing, uh, uh, I, I guess this is again, maybe perhaps moving away from what expectations females have of other females perhaps but i would be sure that there's like certain things that i we just aren't familiar think, with which is where yeah. they're just like this is so important to us and we as guys we're like this doesn't matter at all i i can't speak to what women think is important because i don't know enough women i actually only know my mom mm. um no i'm kidding <laughs> um but seriously i can't speak to what they think is important but i can tell you that as a man who's been a man most of his life and has spoken to hundreds of other men about these concepts i can tell you that when it comes to the female physique oh my god there's a market for everything there are there are there's such a there's such a wide variation in what some men are into that i feel like you know i almost feels like your fitness goals ought to be to be healthy and to do what you like because i guarantee you that there's men out there who are into it that's that's, that's like the weird it's it's a weird thing i just think like so many, like, I know so many, even, like, between you and I, we, we know that we have very, like, we're single right now, so, you know, when we used to go out and, and party, we had very, very different tastes in mm-hmm. what kind of women, what kind of body types we were attracted to. 
Yeah. And I mean, that speaks to different levels of fitness in a lot of ways. Um, but the one thing that I want to jump off from here is I think this is a great place to talk to you about setting their own goals mm-hmm. and mentioning that goals don't always have to be aesthetic. I think we've talked a little bit too much about aesthetics here and not enough about the fact that, um, and again, maybe this is something that I would encourage other people to do is to have goals around things other than aesthetics. If your goals are just aesthetic, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Feel free. If that's what gets you going, you go for it. But for me personally, I can remember as, as a young man, I didn't work out very much. And part of the reason why I didn't work out very much is because I thought, again, a lot of this is based on, you know, why do a lot of guys work out? Well, they want to look big. Well, why do you want to look big? Because you get attention from girls. Mm -hmm. And I would always take that, you know, that mind experiment to its natural conclusion and go, nah, you know what? I don't want to get attention from girls that way. That just seems, it just seems stupid. It seems stupid for me to spend time in the gym just for aesthetics. Now, again, if you, if you value aesthetics, this isn't like a knock on aesthetics. If that's what you're into, go for it. For me, it just didn't make sense. What really got me working out, what made me want to, was when I started to do certain athletic things. Like one of the things that really got me started to like get me hooked on 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 taking care of my body and trying to, you know, get more athletic was rock climbing. When I started climbing, I was like, man, I need to get good at this. I love this. This is like, this is a thing. And and I mean, from there, obviously, now I'm actually I'm actually working out for aesthetics. So I've I've completely become a. Uh, uh, <laughs> shameless human being shameless yeah. human being now I'm like no you know what I do want I do want the extra attention from women now because I feel like you know I'm single and now's <laughs> a good time to you know maximize this but in the back of my head I still have I, my, I just to give you like a, a notice my fitness goals right now are I want to get I want to gain size to the point where I feel like I fill out shirts really well for my height but then it's all about other things like I want to be able to run 100 kilometers at once which is insane i know i can barely run i I haven't even been able to run a marathon yet but i want to run 100 Mm -hmm. i want to be able to do muscle ups i want to be able to do front levers i want to be able to do these difficult movements that take immense strength i want to be able to deadlift a lot right like these are all these are other kinds of goals that you can have that you should also be aware of because while they don't necessarily make you look the best um this is all still part of your fitness journey if you choose to take that road yeah, yeah, the, the, I think that's very important. There, there's so many dimensions to fitness, and, and I definitely went kind of gym heavy, um, mm-hmm. just because I think that's mostly what's out there. And we're talking more. We were starting maybe that's definitely ninety more with the social right? critique, I guess. But yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, look, if if you love a sport, that's I think that's the best thing of all, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you, and especially if it's a sport that you can uh, keep doing, right? So. Um, it's not too heavy impact so that like it's gonna tear up your knees or something so you have a small life cycle with it or mm-hmm. whatever it might be um so yeah if, if you can just be very passionate about a sport and base your fitness around it i think that's probably the best thing because if it's a team sport you're meeting other people and you're getting better at something you're working on skills it's like a social thing and it's individual you're still playing with other people and you're uh, you're you know you, you it's 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 also a passion besides getting the utility of fitness mm-hmm. attached to it. So I think that's fantastic. Then even within the realm of aesthetics, you can still be having certain goals in terms of weight loss goals, weight gain goals, um, strength along the way, right? Because it's, it's, even if you're not necessarily a power lifter, you can still want to like work your way up to one plate and then a bench or then a one and a half plate and then do same thing with your squats, etc. Um, 
but yeah, you can also just go towards powerlifting, and then that's you know really not aesthetic based at all. But it's yeah, it's very satisfying to hit like a new new, new PR when you're lifting yeah. heavy weights. Um, and then there's also just stuff like you know longevity and wellness, which really longevity is not helped necessarily by having by by going like the bodybuilding route and that doesn't mean like you become a bodybuilder i simply mean a high protein diet where you're uh lifting weights and trying to get as uh muscular as possible from what i understand about mm-hmm. longevity having too much protein in your diet is not com- does doesn't help longevity at all um but i'm not the, sure about that to be honest because i have i have I have heard of studies that, that say that one of the best, um, for males, one of the best, cor- and it's correlational, one of the best correlational um, aspects of longevity for health cycle, for health span and lifespan is lean muscle mass. Right. So, but, so it's, it's certain, certain things taken in conjunction with other things can be useful, but in a vacuum aren't. So... Mm-hmm. I'm saying in a vacuum, protein has been shown uh, to be detrimental to longevity. Nonetheless, if you're getting a sufficient amount of protein and you're working out as well, then you're probably going to have a better oh, okay, body okay, composition. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right? fair. Uh, so um, you got you to be working. I can't you eat lots of meat. The, the same way where um, you know you you can probably get all the same gains eating let's say 0.6 grams of protein per pound of body weight but the average bro in the gym is is going to be aiming for around a gram per pound of body weight which mm-hmm. is way more than you probably need so it's it's also one of those things right like there's certain bro myths or bro signs that has just established itself that's not actually um needed um it, i mean the, the the most comical example of this is just your diet should be chicken broccoli rice right that that is a bro meal that mm-hmm. will get you lean and big or whatever so yeah it's it's uh, anyway the the protein and and whether it aids or hurts longevity aside my my point being is there's many dimensions to fitness and certain things might actually be detrimental long term but have lead to great like like I was even talking about with sports like there's nothing wrong with giving your sp- uh, whatever uh, sport of choices you're all for ten years but accepting that at the end of those ten years you have to probably give it up because your shoulder is going to be gone or your knees are going to be gone or something like that so you can have short term fitness goals that are not great for long term and then you can have long term fitness goals that means that yeah yeah you probably don't hit it that hard in the gym maybe you kind of have a more kind of sedate fitness journey of long walks and fairly light weights and see i i I have to tell you i kind of disagree with that i think there's very few sports that will actually blow you out at a at a at a average level like i guess if you're because i think about it too like like you can think okay soccer for your knees maybe but like there's plenty of people who have played soccer recreationally like my grandfather played soccer until his like just before his 70s he was, I remember, I'd go back to Serbia and he's playing there and he's pushing people around. He's going hard. This guy played soccer his whole life. He was just, like, his knees didn't blow. He, I mean, he, don't get me wrong, like, he's not, he's not incredible at it at that age, obviously. But, you know, like, there's, there's, 
like I think there there's certain sports. I think like like ballet. If you do ballet, I don't even know if you can say that a sport for some people, but if you know about ballet, you know how vigorous physically it is. Yeah. Oh man, that that does destroys your body. Gymnastics is one that's interesting because I've heard different takes. I've heard if you ever know who Coach uh, Chris Sumner is, I think I forget. I think that's his first name. Okay. Coach Summers. He's on the Tim Ferriss podcast. He talks about how a lot of gymnasts ruin their bodies because they just don't train effectively. But how he is an example. He and some of his guys are examples of you know guys in their fifties and sixties who can still push you know some of the gymnastic movements. So they, I. I just think, I, for me personally, I just, I just think if you're going to talk about longevity uh, or if you want to look at longevity for your sport, just make sure that you look at people who may or may not have it. Because there's, there's certain instances where longevity is going to be a pipe dream, right? If you're seven foot two and you want to play competitive basketball for X number of years, like your, your body is just built in such a way that it's so large that you know it's going to be tougher on your joints. But if you're mm-hmm. the average person sized, um, and you, like, you know, at seven, two, you have a lot more weight on you, right? If you're the, if you're like, what, like five, 11, six foot and you can lean down, you can probably get a lot more time out of your sport as long as you're aware of the fact that, you know, the wear and tear is it's, it's cumulative, right? It's like, and it, it depends on a lot of things, right? Like if you're, if you're huge, then it's harder on your knees. If you're not, it doesn't have to be. So I just think that that idea of like having 10 years in your sport only, it, it it's, it seems too conservative to me, maybe. Maybe the 10 years just seems way too conservative. No, I'm not talking about just any sport. What I'm saying is there are certain sports that come with certain realities, right? Like, and, and also the higher level you go, the more these things are a reality, right? If you're just doing something at a much lower level, again, it changes certain things. But like, let, let's say you go, you're going to amateur wrestling um, in high school and then college and then you want to keep trying to pursue it maybe yeah for, you're probably gonna have some deterioration in your spine um and neck that's just very yeah that's fair yeah likely. that's a combat sport that's fair um, those are those are hardcore yeah and so uh, obviously the same thing will go with if, if you want to get serious about kickboxing or muay thai or mma or anything like that simply the brain damage is is going to be detrimental that yeah, if you're actually competing, and, and, yeah. But like, even if you're just training aggressively and and you spar regularly, that's causing mm-hmm. brain damage. Really? Sparring, getting hit I in guess, the head. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and yeah, and then and then you know you you work your way down, but like you think American football, you're wearing helmets and running into each. Most of the football players are on painkillers post uh, i don't know if most but a large number of them aren't painkillers after their I feel like over. american football isn't really a sport that ever gets played recreationally if you're this is more for like the athletes it's because yeah once you pass like college football i don't think there's very many men's leagues for it there might be but i feel like it's more often that you'll play flag football or something like that but you're right if, if you play yeah. competitively yeah competitively this is a this is definitely an issue yeah i mean it's, it's not like i was saying like warning sign all sports i'm just saying mm-hmm. know the realities of the sport that yeah. you're pursuing and, and and adjust accordingly um and e- even with the the ones that i mentioned yeah there, there are ways of training more intelligently so you reduce the impact that, that that your body's uh suffering from right like the, some of these sports have like archaic drills that if if anything makes things worse like in wrestling yeah. the neck strengthening stuff where they put their whole body down on their head mm-hmm. 
that's not good for you <laughs> but but it's it's become a very common like next trend thing grill in wrestling mm-hmm. so yes so some of these sports if you just adapt your training intelligently you you'll take less um, your body will take less of a toll yeah. anyway larger point being is is uh fitness has many many dimensions so you don't need to get locked in in the most basic thing <laughs> that we're locked in yeah we, which we, is like you don't do a week. training for yeah. aesthetics okay that's fine but there are many other ways to go yeah about there's it. tons of other stuff to do but I, i'd say just just to because aesthetics is the most popular kind of baseline thing in, regarding the fitness world i think the most important thing is not to rush it and nobody's going to take this advice because everybody if you're a 15 year old uh kid and and then you want to get in shape you're not waiting around you're not saying like oh yeah you know fitness is a marathon not a sprint no but no no 15 year old i know myself i was psychotic at that age in terms of need to get in shape as fast as possible and uh i actually got a bulging disc in my back at like the age of 16 um, and it was because I, I was having severe back pain, but I was also hitting it hard in the gym and getting results. And I did not want to stop mm-hmm. until eventually just kind of blew out. And so it's just, I'm just so, so cognizant of the importance of, of listening to your body from a mm-hmm. young age. That doesn't mean not training intensely and aggressively, but just means also intelligently, like, I go hard in the gym, but there's certain exercises I no longer do because they just don't make sense for the body I have and, and, and the injuries I uh, have a propensity for suffering. So, you know, I don't have much of a deadlift uh, component in my training, but I still squat. I still do other, you know, big compound exercises for my legs mm. and my lower back and all that stuff. But uh, deadlift doesn't really have much of a place for me anymore. And that doesn't even mean I couldn't incorporate it back in through maybe a variant of a deadlift, right? So, I'm yeah, it's just very, very important to not, like, think, like, the next training session, if, if, if you miss it, it's going to be, like, the end of the world. Like, no, no, like, you can take a week off, you can take a few days off, you can rest up, you can change out your schedule, you can do any number of things. It's not the end of the world, like, you can, you can yeah. get back on this journey and just but be healthy along the way or just be sensible along the way. Yeah, I think I think that comes to one of the most common things is like when you do get injured, there is, especially if you get injured at a time when you're very motivated, there is such a... Oh, it's the worst. It's such a temptation. It's just like, I'll just do one set. Let me just see. And it's... Yeah, it, it, yeah it's terrible. I, I, I feel like I recently had an injury where... Actually, no, I didn't really... I, I had, I've had a couple of like minor injuries in the gym where it's like, oh, after, you know, after going crazy hard on a run, like I've been trying to get up my max run. So mm-hmm. last year I did, I went for 30 kilometers straight. I couldn't do it. I got to 27. Okay. And so I get this more with running actually than I do with, with lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I finally did 27 kilometers straight and I finished it. And the next day I was in so much pain and you know, a couple days go on and it's like the pain continues. It goes away, it goes away. But there's so, like when the pain is mostly gone, but not fully, there's so much temptation 
in me to be like, I'll just squeeze in one little run. I'll just squeeze in three kilometers. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah. those three, like on the grand scale. So I actually have my numbers. Last year I did 450 kilometers total. I was really proud of that because the year before that I did like 110. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did 450 kilometers running total. And uh, yeah, I had to take two week breaks multiple times because after a really long run where I pushed myself, I wasn't able to get back. And I would notice it where like I would get these pains in my foot. And the pains in my foot would kind of go away. And then I'd be like, all right, time to run again. Even though I knew my body wasn't ready for it, I would yeah. feel it. But it just like, you know, you're like, I'll just squeeze it in. So I'd do a short run. And then at the end of that run, I would have the exact same. I'd do like three kilometers and have the pain of when I did 27. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for me to remind myself, like, you stupid idiot. You knew this was going to happen. You just need to rest fully. You need to let it actually heal. And again, I know that this, is, this, is, this can happen too with other injuries. I actually... I had a I had a, a, a an injury scare recently. That's what I was thinking of. Is where I was trying to lift some weight from a bad angle, mm-hmm. and it felt I felt like a sharp pain in my back. Mm. I was like, oh no, what is this? I was all like ginger with it, and it's kind of hurting the whole next two days. Spoke to my friend who's an athletic therapist. Guys, if any of your friends are doing athletic therapy as like a profession or whatever, it's so good. And if you don't have a friend who's an athletic therapist, go meet one because they will save you. So so I spoke to him about my symptoms. He confirmed that it was just a back spasm, nothing to do with the ligaments, nothing to do with the muscles. So I got right back into it. But uh, but yeah, I remember I remember when it happened. I was like, oh no, and I'm gonna take like two, three weeks off, and I can't do my my my, my I can't do you know back and buys day. I can't do chest and tries day because they're all around the shoulder joint. Yeah. And I generally am lazy on legs days. I skip legs days all the time. So it's like the one the one day that I can do I can't even do anymore. It's the one that I don't want to do. So yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's the reality of it. It's like giving your body time to heal or you're going to be in bigger trouble. You're going to be out of the gym for longer. And that's a huge, that's a very difficult, difficult thing to do to actually stay out of the gym when you're, you're... it's, it's just, it's all, it's almost never been worth it to like push through that extra bit when you're feeling like that level of uncertainty about like the, the, the state of your body. It's just almost never worth it. Yeah. Um, Actually, it is never worth it because even if you then push through and you don't get injured, what have you gained by that extra few sets or whatever it might be or yeah. skipping a day? It's, it's, it's just so silly. It's, if, if you look at it in any sort of rational way of like weighing up like uh, the disadvantages versus the positives, there's there's such a huge gulf between them and yet it's yeah. like, yeah, but I'll do it anyway. Um, but, but what I'll say there is there's an element of you will have to suffer a bit because it, it's part of the ex- experimentation process. You need to figure out what your body can handle. You need to figure out what's a good pain versus a bad pain versus a, you know, the right sort of, or I should say the right sort of discomfort to push through versus, mm-hmm. oh no, this is a red flag, stop. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it's much before you get like some serious injury like, you know, bulging disc or like your shoulder issue or whatever it might be. But, yeah. but if you can experiment carefully pushing yourself pushing yourself adding you know capacity and resilience and all this stuff to your body and seeing where you know where when you hit red basically that's going to be very very useful for you so i I do think there is some value there but you have to do it very carefully and uh just on some level it's it's a it's it's a matter of luck that that uh whatever injury that comes is minor and then you have a sense of uh of your body um mm-hmm. and the, the, by the way this is not me advocating getting to the point of injury it's it's being smart so that 
right as you feel like it's coming on, you know, like, okay, yeah, I can stop But there, there is something to be said about understanding, like, what pain you should worry about, what pain you shouldn't, like, and even this, this I've gotten from straight up from, like, yeah. following accounts that are athletic therapists as well, is, like, if you feel pain, I think one of the, one of the tips advice, I actually heard this again from Coach Chris Sumners from the Tim Ferriss podcast, he said that with his athletes, because he trains a lot of, like, world-class gymnasts, he says whenever they experience pain in the belly of a muscle, he's, he'll, he'll, put them through another workout and be like, like, again, these are athletes. Keep in mind, these are athletes, right? So these are people who are going for the gold. They want to be the world's best. So obviously for them, it's not a question of like, why don't I just take a week off? It's like, no, you're, you have a very yeah, short for, time. For, for them, it yeah. is worth it to push Yeah, that for them, it is worth bit. it. Yeah. But even then, he said that like, just as a general rule of thumb, whenever you feel pain in like the belly of a muscle, it's, it's usually, you, it's fine. It's when you feel pain near the insertion points of a muscle that is dangerous. So for example, like your bicep, if you're feeling it right in the middle of your, your arm, mm-hmm. he's like that, you know, work through that. Don't be, you know, whatever. Yeah. But if you're feeling it down near your elbow or up near your, your upper shoulder for your bicep, then those are the ones where he's like, no, don't do it. And I think even understanding that because, you know, sometimes you're going to get delayed onset muscle soreness from mm-hmm. a previous workout. You're going to be wondering, oh man, should I work through it? And it's like, this is kind of, I mean, again, you, you're going to develop your own rules of thumb. You're going to get to know your own body. But even just doing a little bit of research into what others say about that can be really helpful because, yeah, sometimes that soreness is just leftover soreness. It's not, it's not, it's not your body telling you don't do it. It's your body just saying, I'm still sore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I think um, we both believe that we we lean towards building capacity and building res- resiliency in the body versus uh you know being too kind of careful mm-hmm. and I, again i maybe careful is the wrong word but in the sense that like if i can work through an injury i would rather do that or if i can work through some kind of it, whatever issue it might be not quite an injury I'd rather do that than just take time off or just try yeah. to rest. Like work it, around it too, right? Yeah. Well, what, what what I mean to say is, um, so for with my back, for example, there was a time when it was all about just like recuperating, take you know, working around it, getting things like massages and stuff. But what saved my back in terms of like, I don't have back pain anymore. I used to for years of my life as a young younger person, right? Like so. I'm uh, I'm saying my my back feels way better now as I approach 30 than it did when I was in for most of my 20s. Mm-hmm. It's because I simply just do this little short endurance sort of exercise uh, for my back at the end of, let's say, four out of my six workouts a week. Mm-hmm. I'll just spend five minutes at the end of the workout doing... Um, it's it's part of actually it, it, there's a back specialist called I think Doctor Stuart McGill. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in he's actually I think out of maybe Waterloo in Canada or something. Anyway, oh, that's you that's not, trust him then. That that yeah. No, <laughs> uh, I, he's I, from I've, Waterloo. I don't know. He's Waterloo, a witch, he's a witch doctor. Yeah, he's a witch yeah. Doctor. This is <laughs> but, um, but this is seriously speaking. So he's he's one of the like specialists on on you know back health in in North America. One of the preeminent ones and he it's i think he calls it the, it's called this mcgill big three and mm-hmm. he takes you through three different core exercises there's just a lower back component of that yeah um you know you kind of get down on your hands and knees you stretch out your arm and your leg and you hold the position 10 seconds bring it down bring, and that, bring that's it. like the dog bird or something so, yeah i think it's a dog bird yeah, exactly yeah. and 
And so I just do that about four times a week and my back is now completely fine. I almost never bothers me when there, there have been times in the past when I was, again, doing the wrong exercises too, too much spinal flexion through things like, you know, crunches with too much range of motion and deadlifts, especially like Romanian deadlifts where you're constantly feeling that tension on, 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 on like your hamstrings and your lower back where I felt like I was a 70-year-old man. This, I'm not exaggerating there. Like, bending down was painful and stiff. And, like, mm-hmm. I was just feeling it all the goddamn time of, like, this level of discomfort. And I've gone from that to just having a normal do, back again. Do you do anything for your hip flexors? I heard they can really mess. I know for me, my hip flexors mess up my lower back a whole bunch because I have, like, crazy anterior pel- pelvic tilt. So I can feel, like, sometimes if I'm just lying down flat, I can feel my, like... Uh, I... Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever had an issue with a tilt. Like, the only th- time my hips bother me is when I squat. But mm-hmm. that's not my hip flexor that's, like, a bit off to the side. Mm-hmm. So I foam, Yeah, it's something else. I, 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 I foam roll the, that area before I squat. It's still yeah. a bit uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, I just have to kind of monitor it as I go. But it's, it's never that serious. Mm-hmm. I only ask because I heard hip flexor is a problem for, like, all of us because we sit down so much. Because apparently, like, back in the day... If you didn't have a seat, you would just like pop a squat and none of us can really pop a proper squat anymore. Well, so because I don't work a desk job, I think that's, I'm greatly helped by it. That's that. true. Um, but do you sit around? I, I, I don't I, sit around much. Okay. My, my, I feel like my hip flexors were, are better since working because before working, I would just like play a lot of video games. <laughs> that, was, that was even worse. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if anything... I lounge a lot, <laughs> so that's that's perfect. I feel that's like exactly... I feel like that that's probably causes some other issue, but it's not in my hip flex. <laughs> yeah, you're like the one percent of the population that probably doesn't have ridiculously tight hip flexors. This is uh, but, good for you. But yeah, so uh, anyway, so um, I think all, all of this is to just say that um, yeah, it's a- actually the greater point of resiliency and capacity, right? Like I have to build up my. I didn't have to take time off not working my lower back i didn't have mm. to um get it massaged and i haven't had a massage in years and i'm yeah. thrilled about that it's it's just like i have to build that capacity up i yeah. do that exercise day after day after That's day huge um so I, I i you know i'm 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 talking about being careful and knowing your limits and all that stuff but also you know you can get after it you you you, you can have it have a, some sort of issue and build it up you can build yeah. up that you can you can actually build back better from. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> I did not mean to go political, but you can you can you, you can build okay, back. Okay, there, Joe Biden. You, you, you <laughs> no, can build you can build back better in terms of whatever. Yeah. The, the, that's ailing you. I think that's huge. I think I think the biggest part of this too is uh, like the most common refrain, especially now. Like I'm in my thirties and I'm surrounded by the thirty year olds, and you know it's like, oh, why don't you work out? Oh, I have a shoulder injury. Oh, I have a this injury. Oh, I have a this. And it's like, this is, so this is, I'm going to say some stuff that, I mean, we can fact check me, but I'm pretty sure most athletic therapists and and people in this business would agree with me on. If you are under the age of like 35 and that, that this is a very conservative number. I'm pretty sure this goes up to like 40 something. If you're Mm -hmm. under the age of 35 and you have a nagging pain, like when you move your shoulder, there's a click and you haven't, and you're not recovering from like, a torn tendon or like a torn muscle or or a broken bone or 
something act like some actual legit form of injury where you know you got injured. It's not just like, yeah, I don't know, my 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 elbow just hurts now, or oh, my shoulder just hurts. It's yeah. like, oh, I, or I got it from overuse. It's like what you have is you have you probably have muscles that can't sustain the capacity of work that you're putting them through and therefore they're in pain. And this is something that I wish I understood because when I was a very young kid, I hurt my knee and I did what everybody does. You rest your knee. Mm -hmm. Well, I rested my knee for way too long. And Mm -hmm. what happens when you rest your knee or when you rest any muscle for way too long, it atrophies, it goes away. So then I was finished. I fit the doctor told me, you know, don't, don't put pressure on your knee for this amount of time. I forget what it was. It was like two, three weeks or something. And then, I was kind of like, well, I'll be conservative. I'll wait five weeks. And then when I started using my knee again properly, I'd always be in pain and it would always be tight and it always, it would just suck. I used to have, I used to go, I like when I was like fucking in my early twenties, I was like, oh, I have chondromalacia in my right knee. My <laughs> kneecap is scraping against the thing and it's why it's always hurting. And I couldn't run. I wasn't able to run from the age of like 23 to the age of like 27, 28 is when I fixed it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it wasn't because, oh, I was injured. It's because my the muscles around my knee were weak as freaking, I don't even know what to say here. Yeah. They were just weak. I couldn't, the, 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 the ass muscles, the hamstrings, the quads, the calves, everything surrounding the knee was weak from, from a lack of use. Yeah. And I had a clicking knee and all these problems and then I started to do something about it. And the, the, the trick is to find things that can build capacity while minimizing the pain. For me, on my bum knee, it was actually, um, it was eccentric single leg squats. It's weirdly mm. enough. That was the exercise. My buddy gave it, my, one of my buddies that I met in Holland, or that I, he's from Holland, he was so big on it. He was talking about how like, he does pistol squats and like ever since he was doing them, it fixed his knees. So I'm like, all right, well, whatever. I'm, you know... <laughs> I know that I can see that he's got crazy capacity in his legs, so I'll go with it. So I asked him how he started. He said he just did the eccentrics, which means just going down. Mm-hmm. So I would just go down on single leg squats, get to the bottom of the squat, and then come and like then I would put my both feet down and come back up, or I'd use something to support me. And what I noticed is that on my left side I could go all the way down full range of motion. Mm-hmm. On my right side, I would get to about halfway down the motion and then it just I couldn't without support. So I would grab on so I would literally do this holding onto a door frame. And I would go down slowly and I built up the capacity over a couple months to the point where I could finally go all the way down slowly on both sides. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what ironically happened after that? My knee stopped hurting and yeah. I could start running again and then I could start doing proper squats and I could start doing all this stuff. And it's like, I just wasted five years of my life. Now, I love running. I've always been a fan. I don't know why. But a lot of people hate running. I love it. I think it's a great, like, especially in the good weather. Oh my God. Like, I don't like to tan but I will get out and run like with no shirt on for hours because I just find it fun. So it's like my one way of getting really good sunlight. Mm -hmm. And that fact that I lost five years because I kept thinking that old school model of like rest, immobilize, you know, put it up and stuff like that is no, no, that's bad advice. Do that at first, but build capacity into it as maybe not like as if it's a chronic injury, follow your physio, Follow whatever, you know, you tore something, listen mm-hmm. to your physiotherapist. But if it's just like, oh, yeah, my shoulder hurts because I use it too much or I haven't used it in forever, start building the capacity around there. Yeah. Do it, but it, the hardest part is to, is to not ego lift this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest part. When I, like, even when I've had shoulder problems, you know what I was doing? I was taking the 10-pound weights and doing overhead press and doing bench press and doing all these 
all these exercises that if you saw a man of my size doing with 10 pounds, mm-hmm. you just, you'd want to giggle at him. You'd be like, oh, wow, look at, look at this loser. Yeah. But you have to, you, you do that for two, three weeks. You, you, you eat that shit for two, three weeks. And then after that, you can start putting real weights on there and then you can get after it the right way. Yeah. Uh, the ego thing is just important all around, right? With yeah. this and with anything else in terms of fitness. Injuries and in, getting back from injuries and staying out from injuries it's such a it's such a bad balance yeah you even if you're lifting for aesthetics and and for what it might do for you socially and all that stuff just get props from other guys really but that aside those are important yeah yeah no this feels good regardless but like (laughs) it's it it's that uh the way you get there the journey there has to be without ego even if the destination is an ego boost uh, you 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 cannot be in the gym and think look at the guy who's twice your size and think like let me try to just squat what he did it's just ridiculous it's 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 a recipe for disaster and you're going to end up looking more foolish doing that because yeah. you you actually can't handle that weight and you're going to look silly um but yeah it's 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 also a dead end in terms of like your actual fitness journey because if you ascend too quickly in terms of the weight you stack on um, you can't keep putting on weight anymore because your form's broken down so much to be squatting this weight, for example, that you can't handle. Yeah, that's an issue. That, that Then you're just kind of stuck. Whereas if you're actually doing your your lifts with like proper form and tempo and quality, then um, you can keep working up because yeah. you're actually doing it the right way and you've actually built the right, like, you know, something with like something like a squat, it's not just on your legs, right? It's on your lower back too. It's not also like the tightness of your 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 posture uh further up uh you know your posterior mm-hmm. chain so if you break all of that down by li- lifting too heavy you're, you're just gonna have so many uh, uh broken points along that chain to make up a squat that it's 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 not just your legs being too weak it's gonna be lower back issues it's gonna be upper back issues it's all the mm-hmm. way down so yeah it's it's just it's it's a recipe for having a very short um, fitness journey, so <laughs> don't do it. And and uh, but but I'd say the good thing um, with fitness, and um, this is another kind of I think uh, point of mind that I think is maybe the most important one here is you haven't stumbled across the perfect program. You haven't stumbled across the perfect trainer. You've not like found because we haven't released routine. ours yet. That's why until ours comes out, the perfect Again, one doesn't behind exist. Behind a very very <laughs> hefty paywall, uh, it will be done soon. <laughs> but but you, you know what I mean. Like obviously, do what works for you, and that's great. And that's part of experimentation and finding the the right sort of uh, fitness uh, instructors and programs and stuff that get you where you want to go is all important. But don't be dogmatic about it. Don't make this another ideology or religion for yourself of like, oh, I only follow this guy and I only do this. No, it's, it's, there's so many ways to build a good body. There's so many ways to build good cardiovascular capacity. There's so many ways to just have, you know, general longevity and wellness and all that kind of stuff. So don't, don't be so stuck in your way, right? Like if you're doing a certain uh, uh, workout and it's wor- working so well for you but one part of it isn't maybe the squats are causing issues in your lower back or something 
okay, drop that squat or drop that the weight of the squat drastically and rebuild your squat, whatever it is, whether it's the ego or whether it's the dogma, don't attach yourself to things. Don't attach yourself to a weight in the gym. Don't attach yourself to a type of exercise or a type of program or a type of personality. Just do what works for you. Put your ego aside. Put your some weird ideology aside. Because, yeah, when it comes down to fitness, if you get too attached, it's definitely a weird ideology. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all, it's, you know, because, like, like I just said, there's so many ways to get to that end goal. And... Um, find the one that works for you don't don't mold yourself into something because it seems like the the fitness panacea this is the only way i'm going to become a greek god like stop being silly and and you know just just approach this with some level of realism and then honesty with yourself are you aware of uh of jet lee's uh i think jet lee his uh jeet kundo not jet lee bruce lee Oh man, <laughs> someone's <laughs> gonna be very upset. Usually, Bruce Lee. Have you ever heard of Bruce Lee's uh, Jeet Kune Do thing? The yeah. Approach? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He says that always. Discard. Keep what keep what works and discard the rest. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, take that approach. A lot of people view uh, Bruce Lee as like the progenitor of what's become MMA because it's he was very much about like he wasn't. Um. I mean, I'm, I'm. He was mixing styles before other people were mixing styles. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to like deify him too much because there's an aspect of just like, oh, Bruce Lee, like, my God, like he, he was, he, he, he would destroy Mike Tyson today or whatever silliness. Like, no, but he had certain ideas that were very interesting for his time and very ahead of his time about mm-hmm. about you know ground fighting, but also stand up and also bringing it all together and. Uh, Yes, very very interesting, and um, he tried to like infuse a lot of his films with some of that ideology as yeah. well. Like if you see like uh, Enter the Dragon, there's like this scene early on where he's just like talking to his master, and it's all about the philosophy of, of combat. I thought it was a terrible film, but uh, um, see, no. I haven't watched too many of his films, but I've read his books, which I thought was interesting. I read a okay. couple of, or maybe they weren't his books. They're books about him with his philosophy, with large excerpts of interviews that he'd given. Uh-huh. Um, and he was interesting, but apparently, from what I've heard, Jeet Kune Do was uh, it was not meant to be used in like a, a sanctioned fight. Like mm-hmm. it was apparently savage. Like so, um, in one of the books, it mentions how like he recommended the use of fish hooking someone. Which right. is when you stick your finger in their mouth and you grab them away, yeah, yeah, which yeah. sounds hella dangerous. Because how do you not get bit? But I guess if you can get it in there in time, once the hook is set, yeah, yeah, once yeah. the hook is set, it's kind of hard for. Well, I guess not really. It wouldn't be hard for somebody to turn and bite you. But I guess the whole point is you're pu- you're pulling their face. Because I think you, I, th- I guess you would use it from like maybe in conjunction from behind. With yeah, you use it in yeah. some way. But like, yeah, like stuff like that, like strikes to the groin, strikes to the throat. There was a lot of uh, like he. I think for him, he thought of Jeet Kune Do more as like a. Like an actual like, like a like a very violent way of combat, rather than what we would think of as a martial. I mean, it's still a martial art, but not one that you would ever compete well, well, in. Well, with that said, martial arts came out of warfare. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So they they don't exist to be an art. They exist to cause damage. They yeah. exist to kill your fellow man. So um, he was going off that tradition, uh, whereas now it's you know, MMA has become a sport. So people think like, oh, it's within rule sets and it's all about, you know, damage to a point versus yeah. 
Unless you're in the ring with Herb Dean, then it's like, kill him. <laughs> I want to see his soul leave his body. <laughs> I'll, st I'll, st I'll stop it when he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and, and MMA refereeing, it's not just him, that's the thing. It's like, so many of them, it's, it's this weird mindset of like, why don't I just watch this guy's yeah. soul leave him, and then I'll stop it, and, and then you'll give some justification about like, Oh well, he got to be a warrior and go out or something. There's a <laughs> legit. There was a referee who said that back in the day, a few years ago. Oof, I think it was uh, Shevchenko against Cap, Priscilla Capoeira or Cap something like that, and she just cut beats so brutally, and I think it was. It was like that. Uh, that that, I think. Japanese Brazilian ref Mazagasi or something. Mazagasi, Mazagari. Isn't that the one that, that Dana White has had a problem? No, with no, not Mazagasi. Uh, the no, because that that guy's not Japanese. That guy's Italian. Any, uh, anyway, I'm 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 mixing up the referee uh, referees, but like uh, he literally just said like, yeah, give her the chance to be a warrior, and I thought that's <sighs> not your goddamn job. And yeah, that's that's, dement that's actually demented. Like yeah, yeah it's, uh, anyway the. <laughs> The, the many, many issues of the MMA world aside, <laughs> a sport I love and love to hate, too. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think we've uh, touched on many of the major points in terms of, uh, we want, of what we wanted to get to in terms of fitness. Mm -hmm. What else uh, do you want to kind of touch upon before we uh, wrap up? I think that's about it. It's, I, I, think, oh, I think the one last thing is... Um... Maybe this isn't for everybody, but for me personally, I think tracking is huge. Um, I love. I have a little notebook with all like my, uh, like yeah, like just every I, not maybe not every exercise, but basically since what last July, no, since last August I started. It, I have almost every workout logged, and I love mm -hmm. doing that. I think I think tracking not just that, but tracking other goal things. Like I've been tracking my weight. I try to weigh myself every morning after doing my business. Um, obviously I miss it sometimes, but, um, I think if you're tracking weight, I'm trying to bulk right now. Yeah. Right. But even if, if you're trying to cut or whatever you're trying to do, um, tracking weight is so helpful, making sure that you're tracking something and making sure that you're tracking it in a way that doesn't, um, that takes into account the fact that there's going to be variability because I think one of the most common problems is that people forget that their weight will fluctuate just naturally, you mm -hmm. know? So I, that's, and that's why I weigh myself every day is because some days I weigh myself and I'm like three pounds heavier and I'm like, oh, I'm bulking. And then two days later I dropped three pounds because it was water weight because I ate something that bloated me. Yeah. And you don't, but you don't notice it. It's not like I'm walking around with like a beer gut. You don't know. It, it's three pounds of water that's hidden somewhere in the body that you flush the next day. And then you guys, oh, my real dry weight is actually three pounds lower. And conversely, so back in the summer, if you remember a couple times when you and I drank heavily, I would wake up like three, four pounds lighter than I really was. And again, like mm. if you're trying to bulk yeah. those mornings, you look at yourself, you're like, oh my God, it's not working, right? So yeah. just, you know, um, with tracking, the only thing I would say is try to get as many points of data as possible and, and average them out, especially for weight. Yeah, I you think, want to take weekly averages or you want to do it in terms of like a, think weekly a line, averages. line graph in terms yeah. of like follow it trend. And, and see where the general trend yeah. is versus like the little fluctuations exactly. that happen day to day. Personally though, I think if you're tracking your weight, weekly is not good. My only reason being is because if you're, it, I think about it psychologically. If I'm tracking week to week, 
I just look at my own weight. My own weight, uh, now that I'm tracking it daily, I see fluctuations within a week of like three, four pounds sometimes, mm -hmm. right? So if you're tracking your, if you're trying to track your weight, lo weight loss weekly, and let's say you happen to check on a day when you're four pounds up. No, I so, said a weekly average. Oh, weekly average, so still daily checking. Yeah. Yeah, okay, then I agree with you completely. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I misunderstood. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so yeah, no, I, I, I I'll say I, I, I don't track in terms of keeping any notes or something, I'm just, keep it in mind but i think that's that's another thing of like i think tracking is um actually with, with, with so many things like this is not a diet podcast so we're mm -hmm. not gonna but like even with, with something like diet like it's it's very useful to s start with a really just good solid foundation and then you can go off on your own adventure and pick your yeah. own battle but like uh Tracking is something I think most people should do at least to begin with. And so they get a very good sense of their numbers and things and what's working for them. They have like a whole history to look upon. And then once they have that and they've just, they know what the best practices are for them, then you can discard maybe tracking if, if you just find that you're kind of good to go w without it. So yeah. um, I'll admit I never really did tracking, <laughs> but it also... It might partly be the reason why it took me, I think, longer to get like a good routine down, get the good, like fully get a sense of what I should be doing in the gym. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's start with best practices yeah, and then find, find whatever is working for you. Yeah, I, th I think the other one benefit of tracking, if you're like me, I'm a lazy, like I, I don't know what, I've talked to you about this before where I think men have like a, we have like a, a period cycle too where our T levels go up and down. I'm, I'm convinced of this because like every couple of months I'll have like two or three weeks of the, of like that month or whatever that, I don't know how, I don't know what the actual thing is, but I'll have these brief periods, like 10 day periods where I'll go to the gym and I will do absolutely every one of my exercises with like, like intent and commitment and I will yeah. do them strong and hard and, I, and I'll even want to do more volume. And then two weeks later, I will want to like skimp out on stuff and I won't do stuff and I won't mm -hmm. do my accessories and I'll, I'll skip a legs day here and there. And the only reason why I bring this up is because um, if you're like me and you have a, a propensity to be short-term inconsistent, long-term consistent, there's a big difference between that, right? Like I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll skip a gym day, I'll skip a volume set here and there, but I'm, I'm on, on the macro scale, I'm still going almost every day. I'm still doing my stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I should only skip legs days. Never skip. So shameful. It's I know. So, so shameful. I run. It's okay. Um, which is, I should do leg I should do leg day even more because I want to build capacity on running and yet it's the one that I avoid. I'm so stupid. But, uh, but all I'm trying to say is what tracking helps with is it helps you see, it helps you kind of keep yourself honest because I know in the past what's happened is I've tracked and I kind of gave up on tracking and I'm like, I didn't get any results. And I'll look back and be like, you know what though? Um, I went to the gym three times last week and like of the three times I did bench press twice, deadlift once and I did one set of squats and it's like, well, no wonder I'm not seeing absolutely any results, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's the good thing about tracking is it, it keeps you accountable when you start to forget how many days you took off and how like much you slacked, if you slack, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. which I am definitely guilty of sometimes. So that's why I think tracking is very helpful. Yeah, uh, I think like we always say, take our advice and apply it to your life accordingly with, with kind of the intention behind what we're saying as opposed to like specifics 
because we can't possibly provide a perfect universal point of advice. So tr tracking, um, like I said, is a good baseline to start with. And then you figure out like, you, like taking your example, then they should just keep doing it. And if, if they're more consistent, then they might want to do it partially. They might want to just take the tracking in terms of weight. They might want to take the tracking just in terms of uh, sets and reps, right? So whatever mm -hmm. works for you, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with that said, I, I think I think we've hit most aspects of it. My, I, I, now that we've done this podcast, my concern is like maybe we started from like a point of assumed knowledge about fitness and to some degree. Um, and so maybe in the future, it's almost like we should think about like and maybe even move away from fitness and almost call it like a gym fundamentals kind of the problem with gym fundamentals yeah. like and, and build there. So there's something for people who are like really like full on newbies. Whereas I think this is more general of fitness is, is difficult in many ways. There are many issues with it, how with, with how it's uh, uh, presented to us and, and then generally talking about various fitness goals, but with, with a degree, I think, of, of, of knowledge that, like, many beginners might not have when we're talking about, you know, volume and all this kind of stuff. It's like some people might not even, or intensity, like, these are, have very specific meanings within mm -hmm. a gym. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that might be a podcast for another day. We'll, we'll see. But uh, in terms of generally handling the topic of fitness, I think we did a decent job. Um, I agree. And, yeah, in, in terms of just takeaways here is just uh, goes back to um, one being realistic and that means discarding a lot of what you see on social media and with lots of these kind of fitness inf influencers it's um, knowing kind of what your fitness like uh, expectations are the journey is right like are you trying to get aesthetic or are you trying to build strength or are you trying to pursue a sport or whatever and then finding what works for you and what's, you know, um, what is also long lasting there. Or if it's not like, uh, kind of coming to terms with that or, um, whatever, whatever else in that kind of like fitness domain, you know, dealing with injuries, trying to build capacity versus necessarily, uh, if, if possible, um, building capacity versus, you know, taking a bunch of time off, um, I'm just kind of running down a summary at this point. It's not even a takeaway. So I should I think of that at this point, you just just leave it, right? Like, uh, uh, no, the, 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 that's good too. A, a reminder of everything that we talked about. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's good to, to wrap it up then. If you, mm -hmm. yeah, no. Cool. Um, so thanks for joining us for this episode of Life's Difficult. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other ones, we'd really appreciate it if you'd give this a positive rating, review it, share it. Um, and help us get this podcast out there. As always, take care. We'll see you next week for another episode of Life.